0: Welcome to Neuro Movement Revolution with Anat Benyal. Where you will discover breakthrough possibilities for your life through the brain's power to change. We're so happy that you can join us in making the impossible possible.
1: And now we're going to move on to episode 10, and this is a big surprise for me because I don't know what the topic is yet or not.
2: I have it. Should I tell everybody?
1: Yes, please.
2: Well, thank you very much. And uh, I'm just curious, um, before we move to the next episode, are there more questions about the, the thing?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, there's actually one that just came in uh, just before that.
2: Yeah. Uh, we can, we can do We can't. Right we we but will... we'll try to loop it back in.
1: Absolutely.
2: And it might connect to the topic. Exactly. Okay. So the next topic is... Are you helping your child too much or too often? And how to recognize when you're doing that. So I'll give a little bit of a background for uh, why I chose this topic. One of the things that I observe uh, very often When I work with the children, when we work, because we work as a team with the children, but when I'm with them in the room, that when either I start directing the child to do something or the child indicates an intention or a desire, like to reach a toy or something like that, very often the parent simply, kind of like it's automatic, jumps in gets the toys and gives it to the child. And when a child has special needs and when they're little, well, let me start somewhere else. All babies, when they're born, are 100% helpless, 100% dependent on the person that takes care of them. That usually is the mother and father. So if a one-week-old or a six-week-old or a two-month-old baby or infant is crying, you know, the adults around them go like, do they need a diaper change? Um, Are they hungry? Are they tired? Uh, Are they lonely? (laughs) You know, and you, you try to see what they need to meet their needs so that they can be well again. And that is 100 percent what we need to do, and to some extent continue doing for quite a few years. However, when the child does not have extraordinary or you know exceptional need, you know challenges or challenges, because all children have to figure things out. You know, first they don't know, then they do know. But when there's an interruption in that process, when there is not an interruption in this process, very quickly there are things that the child sort of takes over and sort of owns, or at least partially owns. So the child starts holding their head up. And, and so up until a certain point, the parent will cradle the head and be very careful and support the back and make sure that the, the child is safe. And at a certain point, you pick up the child, they hold their own head, and unless they're f- falling asleep, you know, you don't hold their head anymore. And you don't even think about it. It's kind of like it's sort of seamlessly. Certain things transition when the child starts walking, you know, in the house, you, you they they go from one room to the other. They come <clears throat> to the table to eat. Uh, they There is more and more that they take over. But if you go out to the street, uh, you are either going to hold their hand or you're going to pick them up sometimes, carry them, or put them in a stroller. So that process of the child owning more of themselves, and that also happens emotionally and cognitively, is it, sort of, progresses seamlessly when a child has special needs that process gets interrupted the child can't carry their head Uh, they're not able they they have spasticity the child if it's on the spectrum is not looking at the eyes they don't get the social cues that babies quickly pick up on any one of those things uh um, you then step in to fill in, and that's what you should do. Otherwise, you've been either neglecting or be cruel to your child. So so that's that's needed. However, especially I talk about it when there is a process, when we start working with the children, they start having more agency. There is more that they can do for themselves. And sometimes it's subtle. It's not like, oh, they couldn't stand up, now they're standing up. But sometimes they are able now to turn their head and focus their eyes and see what's going on. So, for example, I give an example, which sometimes when that occurs, I, I show it to the parents. So let's say the child now can track better, see better, and you feed them. And you have gotten trained to follow with a spoon wherever they turn their head because they were not doing it. Now, and let's say they want to eat, right? So the child, it happens with children that initially couldn't, couldn't do it. You, br- they, you start bringing the spoon. Perhaps they're even moving forward or they're just waiting for you to get it all the way to their mouth. And, and then they turn their head. What I show parents to do is to just keep the spoon where it is and let the child discover that the food is not coming to their mouth. So that they, now, if the child can't control the head, absolutely don't do that. But if the child has some control over the head, and then I perhaps wouldn't bring the the food all the way to their mouth. I might bring it a little and wait for them to even do a tiny movement so you know that they are participating. There is an intention. There is what I call some agency. So, So, and very often, it is the idea of giving the child space, enough space. Sometimes it's physical space that you don't just jump in right away. It could be a time space, that you allow the child to, you know, fumble a bit, attempt a bit, you know, and, and not do it for the child. I mean, in my world, unless I give up on the child learning, I will not make the child, you know, do the toys. I, I will look for other ways. But that's another story. So are there any questions about that?
1: Um not comments specifically. Um so um we actually have a, a message from Elena who was at the four day training with her son Isaac. Oh. And she says, Hello Anat and Neil, thank you for the amazing experience in Vancouver. Isaac was so calm for two days after we left. There was definitely a shift in his brain. It was an amazing learning experience for us parents too.
2: Yeah, and Isaac <clears throat> has his um, big challenges, and Isaac basically learned to get his needs met by crying, uh, which was an intelligent thing <clears throat> on his part to do, except now it stops him from growing. So we went through a process where, where a, a space was made, so he had the opportunity to notice that crying was not giving him immediately what he wanted and it after the first time we did we did that um he the mother was uh, drinking some water and she noticed that he was looking at her so she asked him if he wants water you see that's giving him space not immediately giving him the water and and he indicated yes so she took the bottle, you know, with the with the water, and for the first time in his life, he reached out to hold it. She supported, it, so the bottle was heavy, so it, she helped him that way. But he
1: he took care of his water. He did what he could do. And I, I mean, that's so important that you have to make it easy enough that it's within their capability to do, but give them the space to do what they can in order to to yeah. Improve.
2: But, but but it's it's not so simple because there are things the child simply can't do exactly and the, 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 sometimes the parents try to make them do they take the hand and they put it here and you do that I I would look for even if it's a little bit here a little bit there make space for the child to do what they can and then when they can't they really can't do it don't try to make them do it Say to them, I'm going to take your hand, and I'm going to help you push the button. So you create a distinction, and by the child knowing that that, you can even ask them. You can say, do you want me to take your hand and push the button for for the music? Let's say it's a musical toy. And wait for some indication. It can be blinking if the child has, you know, ability to say ah or yes or something. And if the child doesn't show any indication or any interest, don't do it. That's another way of giving them space. It's like if you have a guest and the guest comes in and you said do you want water? And they say no. And you, you go run and give them water. That would be weird, right? So so anyway, I'm hoping there are questions because I'd like well, to... Well, I
1: mean, uh, so Kavita, who we spoke to uh, a little bit earlier, um, she says, she totally agrees. I am guilty of doing too much for my little one. However, today I bravely let go of his head just to see what he would do. And he seemed to enjoy the challenge of moving his head side to side, despite it, despite it being flopped forward. And she put a little smiley face. I also realized he has a little more trunk control than perhaps I had initially thought. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's so, uh, you know, It's such a big topic that, you know, just to allow your child the space where you're not doing for them allows you to see what they can do that may then allow you to let them do something else. Also, it allows them to know they can do it.
2: I mean, the big deal is that they might not say, oh, I I, I can promise you your child is not saying I have more trunk control. It's not anyway, but they feel it. And when they feel they can do more, it opens the opportunity for that to evolve even more. However, if the head is floppy, I would either support the chest to make sure it's not too hard, doesn't pull too hard on the neck, or even support a little bit, just a touch, the, 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 the forehead, for example. And I'd say, oh, you moved your head. Now, let's see if this makes it easier for you and you just, you know, support a little bit and see if it continues moving the head, and then you can gently let it go and see what it does. That's learning, that's a variability. That's the child is generating an experience, yeah.
1: So, we have uh Sasha who's um says that her child demands to be lifted where she wants to go, and then she followed up after the comments that you made. We started working on her demands to try and encourage her to do things herself. And she's more fussy, but she has started doing things independently. She now needs to crawl what she wants and she needs to come to me if she wants me. It's been difficult, but it's working.
2: Well, first of all, Sasha, that's the name of my daughter or my daughter's name. Uh, thank you for sharing. And one of the things that that's important when, and you might already be doing it, first of all, don't do it like always. You know, you can sometimes, and better if you initiate it rather than her. So you, so there are moments where you want to pick her up and get her somewhere and you don't want to wait for her to crawl and you don't want to be fast. You can walk over to her and you say, I'm going to pick you up and take you to the bathroom to wash your face. You tell her what you're going to do so there is a distinction. There are times you pick her up. So, again, you're not trying to make her crawl. It's Again, it's not the thing where we're trying to the child to do something or be a certain way, but it's more of a dance and an organic dance. So so you can do that. And then another time she, she wants something, and you say to her, sweetie, if you want the toe, you go there. And you use a very friendly tone of voice. You know, everything is okay. That's one of the things we did with Isaac's mom. And, and I assume you're you're on this podcast right now, and and you know that I I stood by her and her husband and this little being is just like everybody is so worried and so anxious and so and I said to her he's doing fine, he's crying and doing fine, you know he was doing fine he was doing what he knew to do to try to get what he was trying to get, so you you know and. And you don't try. You try to not make it difficult. So let's say if the toy is two feet away, don't take it and make it be ten feet away, because very often parents move things to make the child follow it. Yeah. Make it organic. If it's close, she won't crawl. If it's further, she will crawl, and she will start. So it's not like she, you know, when a child is cries and gets what they want, or every time they want to move from point A to point B, they expect to be picked up. For them, unbeknownst to them and unintentionally, this is their safety. This is their power in the world. This is how they make things happen. The brain looks to get outcome, get food, get toy, get mommy to hold me and the feeling of safety and love. So when we start shifting it, we need to really know that we're not taking away the love and we're not challenging the child. We're just creating a situation that creates space for them to notice. And your child sounds like she's, she has a lot of vitality. you know, she keeps insisting. That's a good thing. It's just you, you know, when she, what you call fasses, when she complains, you can just say to her, oh, my goodness, you're complaining a little bit. Mommy is now going to wash the dishes. Just like that. You name it so she has a distinction. Uh, or you can even go give her a little kiss on her head and say, oh, my goodness, you're fussing, and I am going to wash the dishes, honey. And let her be. She will go to the toy. She will go to you. She won't go to you. The only thing you do is you make sure she's safe. But it's not done as a punishment. It's not done as a forcing her to crawl. It's just it's up to her. She wants the toy, she'll crawl. She doesn't want to, the, to crawl or she doesn't want the toy, she won't crawl. It's a very organic, connected way of making space for the child to discover their own power, their own potency, their own agency. Yeah.
1: So we have a question from Erica. She says, my son also cries for most of his communication of 18 months. How can I give him space without letting him go on to full meltdown mode? Should I let him get get upset at the beginning?
2: Should I let him get upset at the beginning? In terms of at
1: the beginning of the process?
2: Well, again, it depends. Uh, In this case, I sort of would recommend if you have a practitioner in the area to maybe get a few lessons because we differentiate when we work with a child between discomfort that they have and between what they can do now and what they can't do now. So if I took Isaac as an example, very, very quickly I gave each child, each of the six children, I I gave a session, a consult. I saw that he's very, very bright. And I saw that he sees what's going on, and then he chooses, he, he chooses, unbeknownst to him, uh, to to respond by crime. That means this is his only response at the time, and and so, and he used this crime in a very intelligent way. <laughs> you know, it was very the dance between him and the parents, and how the whole thing went. He was very good at it. And he knew what to do when. Now, when I see that intelligence, I go like, I want to utilize this intelligence and move it somewhere else, you know, do do with it something a little more productive than just crying. But we were there working with the child and supporting the child and and the parents. Uh, And one of the ways that the children get the parents to surrender over and over again is the parents don't want the child to go into full meltdown. Now I don't know what happens to your child. You know, some children shouldn't go to full meltdown because of their medical conditions. You know, so it's a big. It's it needs to be more refined. Uh, But if, you know, one of the things you can do. I mean, I don't know the specific situations that I can't give you specific examples with your child. But in general, you can say to your child, you know, mommy is going to do blah blah, and and, and, uh, and uh, you're going to watch. You tell him how it's going to go, and then if he starts crying, you say, oh, you're crying. Mommy, so do the dishes. Mommy ha- is going to continue washing dishes. And, and I- I'm a little afraid to let you do it all by yourself. That's, that's the problem. I mean, we're, we're very, very skillful at working with it so the child, that he doesn't get out, out of control. One of the things that I'm intending to do in in the not-too-far future is to bring a a, a woman, um, Randy uh, Roberts, who is a coach, and she she really helps parents know how to do that. And part of knowing how to do it on your own is she coaches you about you, where you come from when you do it, and then it works with a child. And I would leave her it up to her to do because she's really good at that. You know, she coaches parents. But if you can play with it and be safe and the child is fine and you really stay fine, then I don't know, you can maybe want to play with it. I'm, as you can see, I'm a little lost here because I have done that around the crying when I was there or one of the practitioners is there to help it. I, I wish I could say more to that, but oh we have the five we have the five day parent-child workshop and in that workshop Randy is doing each day a, a an hour coaching of the parents and gives you so she already starts training you towards doing that. So if you have that or you are interested in getting that you can start getting information that way.
1: And she also says that when she does coach our parents, it's so much easier for her and for the parent if they've already seen those lectures or those those sessions yeah, in the yeah. five-day parent-child. Um, <clears throat> Wendy says, how do we test their abilities without setting up the failure if they can't do it yet? Read that again. How do we <clears throat> test their abilities? I think this is, you know...
2: You how much
1: space? I, but it's like how much space can you give present. the child. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, if your child uh, can only lie down, you 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 don't test their abilities in the sense that the child that has not set himself up cannot sit up. If they could sit themselves up, they'd be sitting up. Now that's again inclusive intervention. So in my world, I take the child through a process that gives them the more and more elements until they can sit themselves up. If there is a reason that I think that can never happen, then we look for when to sit them up and how to. So there can be paralysis, you know, there can be. Others, I mean, like real paralysis where certain movements are not available because the muscles are not connected to the brain or something. But in, mo- in many cases, it's a, the brain not figuring out how to use the muscles to get there rather than no connection at all between the parts. So so within what they can do, so let's say a child can, can not even sit up yet. But they lie down. And um, and we, that reminds me that we are going to do a, a, a podcast about tummy time. because. But let's say they're comfortable lying on their back. And, you know, you can hang out next to them. You can uh, read a book. You can see if they can start moving their arm forward to move a page. And like Neil said a little earlier, they start doing, you can free the page up, but let them participate. You know, you you like the food with a spoon, like when you put uh, the clothing on, if one of their arms they have control, let, you know, you can just play with it. So where's your hand? Where's the sleeve? You know, do this and, and then have them feel until their brain goes like, okay, I do this and my, my you know, my arm is in the sleeve. You just observe what the child is already doing and you let that happen and you can add to it some stuff where the the child does part, you do part. And that's very different because from your question, what I hear is you have to test the skill to see if they can do it. Let me promise you, when a child can sit up, they sit up. When a child can bring themselves up to standing, they don't. Billions of children over the last at least 100,000 years, brought themselves up to standing without parents, you know, testing them. And and so, so it's important. It's really, really important to understand that. And then, of course, you're not a professional. Then you take your child to a professional that uses those principles, that has an approach that speaks to you and helps provide more input to the system that, allows greater more rapid growth for your child but at home it's it's really important
1: and following on from that there's a couple of comments and a question from marianne ball who was in our workshop in frankfurt a month ago Um, she lives in vienna and she says i always try to let my child do as much as he can e.g while trying to sit up but as this takes a lot of time it sometimes takes too long for letting him do the whole thing himself and he's smart enough to tell me excuses like, I'm too tired. You have to do it. She says, <laughs> I, I don't it. know what to do with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, you say to him, you are such a smart boy. You want mommy to do it for you. You just name it. You create distinctions. You, it's always distinctions, perception of differences, distinctions. Anyway, so, and you, and you can be, and you say to him, look, it, he might be too tired. You know, and it's amazing he can tell you. And you can judge whether he's too tired or not. You can decide to, to, or you say, you know, you're not sure. You say, no, I would like you to do it even though you're tired. You know, you, you, you're honest, you're authentic, you're not manipulating your child. And when you don't have the time, by the way, anything that's too hard for us to do, we stop doing. How many of you have have signed up for the gym? I'm the first one to raise my hand. I went to the best gym in the area, so it was expensive. And I think I was there five times in a year. And I had to to admit to myself that I have to cancel my membership because I wasn't doing it. For different reasons. But my reasons wasn't that it was hard for me to lift weights, but it was actually too hard for me to find time to go there and it was not interesting enough for me, so I didn't do it. Uh, but but the, the if it too hard for the child to sit up, they was being the inclination to to do it less and less. So if he says I'm tired, you know, you can say, Okay, let me help you. And you do some and I do some. Create a partnership with your child. And then when you simply don't have time because you're not making him do it over and over again, you say, I'm going to pick you up because we have to go to, you know, to the doctor. So, and then hold him, you know, under the shoulders or whatever and feel whether he's, and if he's just like lying like a lump, she said, don't be a lump, sweetheart, help mommy a little bit. So he at least moves the head a little forward. He moves the shoulder a little forward. And then you just pick him up because you told him you don't have time. You just scoop him up and you go. So it's, it, we really, it's not easy because you are the boss of the child. You are the caretaker of the child. You are the custodian of the child, and you are the life of the child. They need you. So, so you have to provide for the child, you're also responsible to give them an opportunity to learn, which is what this <laughs> this podcast is about, you know. And at the same time, uh, you you don't test, you observe them. You shift from testing to observation, and and you you don't know. I you know when I work, I don't know whether what I'm going to do, what I am about to do with a child will make a difference or a big difference or n- no difference. I aim to not harm and then provide, you know, variations and this and that and all that stuff. And then I wait and see what happens. You know, so so I hope it's helpful and I hope that answering this question is also helpful to other people. I think we can take one more minute.
1: Well, I was just going to say we have a comment from Yellowknife uh, where uh, we had... A practitioner and a family in the five in the four day mentoring and uh, Karen, our practitioner from, uh, she actually is in near Toronto it's or okay. Ontario. It's I don't okay. know. We don't.
2: They don't need. They to know don't need that. to know. Okay. But she
1: says Michaela is laughing, listening to your voices.
2: That's the girl that had the surgery. Oh my god. Oh, thank you for
1: Skype. us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god, it makes me cry. So-
1: And a a comment from Marianne Ball, who "Who is the lady's question you just answered. Randy is great. She loved her lessons in the five-day parent workshop.
2: Okay, so listen to it again and do the movement lessons yourself. And all of you, if you do that, you will start feeling how your brain gets happy, how your brain, under what conditions, your brain gets awakened to learning and these are the conditions that your child needs except your child is not going to be learning 24/7 it's in little, little units of time i if you are intentionally doing something no more than 15 minutes you know but 5 minutes here 3 minutes there i'll just still ask all of you to think for a moment back on your life where there i believe every human being has had that happened to them, whether you recall it right now or not, were a teacher or a friend or a parent or something that you saw in a movie that something you heard, seen, were told or experienced that changed your life. That one thing gave you, oh my God, and everything rearranged around it. That's like deep inside transformational moment that's how learning happens and we can create it doesn't have to be all huge drama but small uh, you know uh, 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 that we approach the child and interact with the child in a way that the brain goes like oh this oh that and the more the brain becomes a brain that Perceive differences and takes interest in the difference. The potency of learning goes up, and of learning of anything—movement, social stuff, emotional stuff, a, a academic stuff—and if you engage in it yourself, you will also become better at providing it and that for your child.
1: Um, just briefly, before we bring this to a close, as a, a, a- Question from Jaime from King City, California. He says, "Can anyone visit your center? I'm a man of 52 with CP, and I am a special education teacher."
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Our center is in. We we work with people. We have a bun- bunch of us work there. We'd love to have you. We have worked with uh, you know adults, uh, P, adults with CP, and while it's different. Uh, in, in the sense that you take a child, you know, the whole trajectory of, you know, but, but you're a teacher and special education teacher and your brain will learn and improve and, and evolve from where you are today. And by the way, make as the years progress, make uh, aging a lot, a lot, uh, a lot less of aging, <laughs> you know? So yes, yes, um, you can find, you can get on anatbanielmethod.com. That's our website, anatbanielmethod.com, and there, there's information there, and you can contact us and just schedule. We'd love to meet you and love to have you. And also, you know, would love to hear. I guess you like what we're saying, but if you just write one thing anyway, maybe next time come on the next podcast and tell us a little bit about you and your history and your experience, so parents can hear from a 52-year-old what it what it was like to receive whatever support and interventions you got as a child. I think that would be invaluable. So thank you for contacting us, Jaime.
1: And thank you, everyone, once more, for being with us uh, this morning. It's always a pleasure and a joy for us to, to be here and to hear, you know, we, wherever we go now, we hear the comments from people of how how much they're getting out of this, which is why we're doing it. We really want to, to help people do better for themselves and with their children. So thank, thank you, you thank very you. much.
0: I'm- thank you for joining us on Neuro Movement Revolution with Anat Yell. You will find all of our podcasts and additional resources on our website at www.anatbenyelmethod.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We look forward to seeing you online for our next Neuro Movement Revolution.